Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Angolano, back off a brief hiatus, joined this week by Jasper Apollonia. Jasper, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, we are the old men of the of the podcast of Palace of Pistons, if we're being honest. And boy, does it really show on days like today. Thank God this thing wasn't recording our technical difficulties beforehand. <laughs> the uh the audience would have lost a lot of faith in us let's just be honest no it's definitely it's definitely true yeah um i have also missed not being on the podcast last couple weeks it's been kind of weird um how have you and aaron been uh holding it down oh you know it's been great uh it's been nothing but nonstop negativity i think we called Cade cunningham a terrorist on last week's podcast so things have been going swimmingly without you mike uh it's, it's going great <laughs> jesus um <laughs> so you know we we have kind of a light show this week um kind of a light show as the nba calendar is a little bit on the light side as well we just don't have a whole lot to talk about um but you know we do have something that we talk about every week and that is with our good friends from Bet Online, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. You get the latest odds, lines, matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your phone. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. And use our promo code Believe for fifty percent. Welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use Bet Bet BetOnline, where the game starts. If if you're uh, in the Lions locker room listening to this podcast, just ignore that last part of the podcast. Only if you're a Lions player. Otherwise, go right ahead, please. Ooh, yikes. Jameson <laughs> Williams. You know, I saw somebody on uh, Detroit sports Twitter, I guess, that said that Jamison Williams is just kind of approaching like one of those players that's like super talented, but is just kind of going to have something because Dan Campbell made a comment about how he's just never going to have elite hands and they're going to work on making his hands as good as possible. And, you know, just couple that with a suspension and, you know, you can't really blame him for the injury, but um 
I would really hate to see that for Jamison Williams, just like be a player that's really good, but just has a thing that's kind of creeping around every corner um, that just kind of derails them enough to be ineffective when you need them to be. Not it's, that this is a Lions podcast. No, but. but it's it's too soon for stuff like that. I mean, come on. The same thing happens. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of somebody like Joel Embiid to bring it back to the NBA. Like you remember the first three years of Joel Embiid's career? The first four, four and a half years of his career, really, like downing gallons of Shirley Temples. Like, at least Jamison Williams is in good shape. It's not his fault he tore his ACL. And he didn't even know about the the gambling stuff. Like, he did not know. The NFL did not do a good job of telling their players that they couldn't place bets in the locker room, even if those bets weren't associated with the NFL whatsoever, like Jamison Williams's were. So... That whole thing is ridiculous. Uh, people are giving up on him. This is not like a Titus Young situation. And no, you're right. We're not a Lions podcast, but like, let's get that out of the way. Uh, if Jameson Williams comes back from his suspension this year and he's completely ineffective, okay, we can talk then. Uh, but it's way too soon for for something like that, in my opinion, at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, this, this Jameson Williams, it just belies how little news there really is right now we're waiting for nfl training camp to start we're waiting for the nba to do anything well and speaking of the nba really what everybody seems to be waiting on right now is what's going to happen with damian lillard right because he's come out and he said i want to trade and not just that i want to trade i want a trade to miami i will only play for miami well according to shams charania the nba sent out a memo a few days ago that they had sat down with Damian Lillard and his agent, basically just telling them that players are not allowed to say that they will only go to one team. They are not allowed to tell teams that are interested in trading for them, that they are not going to go to that team, that they are only going to go to one team in this case, Miami. Um, This is something that's happened in the past and players have gotten away with it. I'm thinking just off the top of my head, Carmelo Anthony, when he went to the Knicks, uh, he was pretty clear. I'm, I'm going to the Knicks. You're trading me to the Knicks. That's where I'm going. And I'm not staying in Denver. Do you actually buy into this from the NBA at all? Because they said that if Damian Lillard and his agent or future players, um, you know, make trade demands, not even requests, demands like this, that they will only go to one team, that they will be subject to discipline. They didn't say what that discipline would be. They didn't say whether it would be uh, games or whether it would be fines, but they did say discipline. Mike, are you buying into this at all? Like, do you actually think that this memo sent out by the NBA, this little uh uh uh, is actually going to change anything? Or is it just kind of like, uh, you know, they have to kind of just say something, but we all kind of know all it's really going to do is change these trade requests from being public to being private? You know, I think they kind of have to do that. I think they have to try to set a precedent that you can't just say, I want to go to this team and only this team. And then that's kind of how it's going to be. I think that sets the precedent that anybody can just do that. And I don't necessarily think the NFL, the NFL, the NBA um, wants to see the league come to that point where guys are um, just asking out saying specific teams, you know, forcing teams to put 
you know, very, you know, lopsided trades together. Um, in the case of the Heat and Damian Lillard, I mean, Tyler Harrow and, you know, a, a bunch of picks and swaps and matching salary is, is obviously not good value for Damian Lillard at all. Um, but because of his statement saying he's only going to play with Miami, and of course this, um, you know, changes how the trades are going to flowing in. I mean, a team like Brooklyn that could feasibly trade for Damian Lillard and probably has more compelling pieces perhaps and, and definitely more picks, uh, they're just not going to be in the same, you know, they, they obviously can't put a trade together. Um, so that's one less team. And, and, and if you have guys like that controlling the league and the narrative in that fashion, then it just becomes too difficult to, you know, to manage the league. You're going to have guys pushing to one team even more so than they were before. Um, and, and there might, this is in the NBA's eyes, there has to be a, you know, a, a, a certain threshold that players can't cross to how they control the league. Um, and I think the NBA just had to go about and do what it needed to do to put that out there. Um, they'll face disciplinary, I guess, hearings or, you know, some, some sort of infraction for doing that. Um, what does that even mean though? Like like what under the NBA players associate, like under the CBA, what can the NBA even really do here? I, I'm not a CBA expert by any means, but like, how much can you really find Damian Lillard for saying like, I want to play in this one specific place? It, it's not like he's actively barring them under a no trade clause. Like, I, I don't know. To me, I, I think that this is kind of lip service from the NBA. I just don't really know what they can effectively do to enforce uh, to enforce this. And I think the fact that they just said discipline and they didn't say anything specific kind of shows their hand a little bit that like they might try to, but if they do try and discipline, there's probably going to be a fight on their hands with the NBA Players Association. Again, I I am not somebody that's read the CBA front to back. I'm not going to lie to anybody here, but I don't know of any wording in there that says, you know, players can't say, hey, I only want to play for this one team. You know, to me, it just seems like a little bit of posturing from the, the NBA. To be clear, though, it's also posturing from Damian Lillard and his agent. Like, they are not the ones who make this call. If the Blazers decide to trade him somewhere else, it's not like he can refuse it. Yeah, they they obviously can't totally control the narrative. And to a degree, it, it is definitely lip service. You know, they're just, they are doing what they need to do as the organization that's binding, you know, all these teams together. They, they, they have to be the, uh, you know, the bad parent and say, no, 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 you can't do that uh, because it undermines the league and it undermines the trade you know, landscape and system that, that exists um, by, you know, trying to force your way to a, a certain team or a certain, uh, you know, setting. So, yeah, it is posturing and it, it, it is lip service. Like you said, you know, the league kind of has to do this or else, you know, everybody can just run amok and obviously they don't want that to happen, but it it did it did I mean in reading it, it it certainly felt more like lip service than throwing down the hammer but I think they had to do it um, they were just kind of stuck with the situation they can't change it they can't force Dane to not go to Miami this isn't a David Stern 
Chris Paul to the Lakers situation, although I, I would love to see what David Stern would do in this situation because he just took he just took you know zero shit from <laughs> David but. Stern would have Damian Lillard's agent's head on his desk. That's what he would do. <laughs> As like just a warning. Yeah. Not, it would it, it would Ned Stark's head on a spike in King's Landing. A hundred percent. And like I'm not like one of these revisionist people that's like, oh David's oh, I miss David Stern so much. Oh, David Stern, the league misses him. Like David David Stern was a bully. David Stern did some really dumb stuff that was just stupid like i think the nba dress code like i still to this day i just fundamentally disagree with it on like a human level i think it's completely uh patronizing i I don't like it but the guy did get results you you have to give him that um i I, you know i want to i want to focus to more pivot i should say to more of a pistons focused uh potential trade and this is one that did not happen uh, but apparently was in the works. And, and it wasn't just for a Pistons player. It was also for a Cavaliers player. The New Orleans Pelicans apparently were trying to make a move for one of Isaiah Stewart or Jarrett Allen. Um, you know, I think it's interesting that both of those guys were mentioned. I think you and I would both agree that Jarrett Allen is definitely a step above Isaiah Stewart as a player in our opinions. Maybe you'd feel differently. Uh but I thought this was a really interesting thing to hear. The Pelicans going after both of those players and an attempt to shore up their rim protection. Uh, you look at that roster. I mean, they have Jonas Valanciunas. And after that, we're talking like Wiley Hernan Gomez. That's their backup center right now. So they are pretty, pretty lean there. They also have Larry Nance Jr., but they're lean. The best deal I could come up with was something like Stewart for Trey Murphy and Hernan Gomez, uh, just because the Pelicans are over the cap. And so any potential trade you'd make with them, you'd have to match those salaries to at least $500,000. That is pretty much the best I could come up with. Uh, I personally understand why the Pelicans would not do that. Trey Murphy is really, really good. The guy is just a a really good shooter, great athlete, great size. Like I would not be trading him uh, for Isaiah Stewart. So I can understand why the Pelicans wouldn't do it. I couldn't really find anything else that worked. I mean, I personally do not have that much interest in Dyson Daniels. Um, that that to me does not swing anything for Detroit. So I, I think it's kind of a difficult situation to make something work there. I think the same goes from the Cavaliers' perspective. That being said, is there any other potential player on the Pelicans you would be interested in? Keep in mind, the Pelicans cannot trade Herb Jones uh, since they just signed him until December. So he'd be off the table no matter what in this case. For me, that was pretty much the best I could come up with. Do you see anything else on the table that you'd like there, Mike? Um, Trey Murphy is the first name that comes to mind. And and when I was getting information from, from, my, from my sauces about the Cavs and the free agency uh, mayhem, Jared Allen and New Orleans was something that was linked, but to me, and, and, and I have no idea what, what the Cavs would have asked for. My, my understanding is the Cavs really just swatted down a lot of uh, what New Orleans was, was, was offering. Um, but for me, for Jared Allen, it would start and end with Trey Murphy uh, because the Cavs would be giving up such an integral piece. Um, and Allen is on a pretty good contract you know, all things considered. <clears throat> um, 
you know, with beef stew, I don't know. I mean, I think you just got in a Sar Thompson. I think you've got like an already better version in or of uh, Dyson Daniels. Like the shooting was kind of the problem with Dyson Daniels. The shooting was kind of the problem with the Sar Thompson. The difference is Sar Thompson is better at seemingly everything else, um, whether that be playmaking or you know maybe maybe the defense isn't quite as strong as Daniels, but you know the ceiling defensively is a lot better. And, you know, we've already seen the offensive side from Asar just out of the summer league looks like it has a lot more potential to be up and down the floor at much faster pace. You know, the shooting, he, he did hit some threes um, in summer league, and, and that's obviously much more encouraging. So I'm not necessarily in on Dyson Daniels. You know, maybe if the Pistons hadn't drafted a wing, that like if they had maybe drafted Jairus Walker or, Taylor Hendricks instead, you know, maybe Daniels is a little more interesting as, as like a, like just a wing that you can kind of mold into something, but it still would be Trey Murphy. And obviously the Pelicans are hanging up the phone. If you ask for Trey Murphy in a beef stew trade, unless you're giving up something else pretty significant um, alongside him. So uh, there's not much else, I guess I'd be interested in if I was, Detroit, I mean, the Pelicans are not going to be moving Zion or Brandon Ingram. Um, and you don't really want CJ McCollum in some odd salary dump. So, you know, and, and look at the roster. I mean, it really, it really is Trey Murphy. I mean, before the Herb Jones extension, I would have said, yes, sign me up. There is the defensive stopping young wing that seemingly every team in the NBA is trying to find but can't, um, you know, unless you're – uh, uh, I guess the Raptors who have Siakam and Ananobi and, you know, just had all this length and stuff. Um, and, and, and at one point Kawhi, but yeah, I mean, it kind of starts and ends with Trey Murphy for me. If, if you're in the Pistons situation, they don't need a Larry Nance jr. Even though he is a good vet and just kind of does some of the little things that would be nice to have on the floor. He rebound a little bit, can play make a little bit. You know, he, he shot some threes when he was in Cleveland and he was okay at it. You know, he just does some of the cleanup stuff, but you know, the Pistons don't need that. You don't want to swap Isaiah Stewart for an older, more injured Isaiah Stewart. Uh, that's, you know, has had, you know, has had some health issues last couple of years. So yeah, to me, it would start with Trey Murphy. And then when the Pelicans hang up the phone, I guess it ends with Trey Murphy as well. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel as well. And and that's that's sort of the problem with Isaiah Stewart trade talks. I do believe that there are a lot of teams that inquire about Isaiah Stewart in trades. He he has skills that are very appealing and he still does have upside. Like I know people get on us say that we're too negative about him, but there is still upside there. Um and he is a good player. Like I'm I will never say otherwise. I think he has a lot of use to a lot of teams. Uh, the, the problem is he is like too, he's too useful to Detroit to give up for what other teams would be willing to give up for him because he just hasn't shown that really elite ceiling that you can, that you can get behind to where you really can demand a Trey Murphy type. Um, yeah, I, I actually like the kind of the Larry Nance. He's not a Larry Nance type player. I mean, don't get me wrong. Larry Nance has bounce, uh, like Isaiah Stewart could never have but at the same time like you understand that sort of archetype like the really high energy player uh who hustles his ass off plays good defense 
that's that's sort of what Larry Nance Jr. kind of gives you too. And that's kind of what Isaiah Stewart gives you on, I think, probably a, a higher level at this point in their respective careers. But it's hard to really demand a lot for a player like that. So I'm not surprised that teams inquire about Isaiah Stewart. And I'm also not surprised that like none of these packages have been appealing enough for either team because you need somebody like a Trey Murphy to make it worth it if you're Detroit because you've invested in Isaiah Stewart, not just financially, but also in terms of like your locker room. He's an important player in that locker room. I think it's going to be very, very hard uh, to move on from him unless you're getting what is talent-wise a steal in return. At least that's how I see it at this point. Yeah, and, you know, with with that contract, you know, maybe his contract becomes more tradable as the salary cap goes up and up and up. And, you know, suddenly his value is he's, you know, a guy who hits, you know, X percentage of threes. And um, it's, you know, it's not like a, it's it's not like weird for him to you know go off and hit hit a few and so his value is a stretch four a smaller stretch four that you know can maybe in the right circumstance play some small ball five if you have the right people around him and and that and that definitely has value and then couple it with like I said his salary figure um, in like two years or so it might be a pretty tradable contract as as you do the consolidating move to try to get a player that you know is more uh, in, you know impactful. Look, um, and if he improves from three, it's more than just a tradable contract. That's a, a a genuinely appealing contract, potentially a steal in a couple of years. Right. And, you know, he did show it was pre-shoulder injury, but he showed some ability to, you know, to knock down some threes. I don't, I don't have his pre and post injury numbers in front of me, but uh, I know that post shoulder injury, he was pretty much uh, uh, just a non-factor from beyond the arc after the injury and when he recovered and came back. So it obviously was impacting him a great deal. Um, but I mean, something is there. It, it, he s- certainly showed something early on. And if they, he could stay healthy and harness that, and that's part of the reason why I, I think the Pistons, other than having to save face, you know, signed him to a contract. And by the way, it's not a good, uh, not a good thing when your team has, has to sign um, a player who was oft injured and, kind of underperformed sign them to a contract extension just to save face for the organization because of all the other bad picks that's just not a good look but uh, you know if he can harness some of what he showed pre-injury and then stay healthy and you know maybe that happens with the plethora of bigs that you know Detroit has on the roster they don't necessarily have to run beef stew into the ground um, and if they're going to do these Wiseman during lineups which I hope to God they don't but you know, if they do, you know, it spares him a little bit. Um, and he's going to have plenty of opportunities, hopefully, when they open up the big rotation, maybe after the trade deadline, to um, try to get some more playing times, more opportunities to shoot. And it can't be understated that he didn't play with Kate Cunningham much last year. That's your, I don't, I hate to use the word heliocentric, but he's the, you know, the offensive fulcrum. And, you know, he did that positive shooting last year without a Kate Cunningham, without some of that extra spacing. So, I mean, he, he might have more value, hopefully has more value in the next couple of years. And, you know, then you can re reevaluate if you do want to move on from it and try to find a, you know, more impactful player. But I could definitely see why teams were interested um, in that sort of mold uh, that Isaiah Stewart had. It just, 
you know, just like the Pistons had some trepidation because of the injuries and stuff, you know, other teams have uh, that same sort of trepidation as well. I, I think that's definitely true. The Pistons are just at a point where it's it's just probably too soon to trade him if they are going to trade him. And I don't – that is clearly not on the horizon right now. Um, you know, it, it just does not seem like something that's going to happen after they sign him the extension. They've always been very clear. Like, they see him as an important part of the core, um, even if some of us as fans might disagree with how important of a piece he is. Um, I want to pivot to the other – very important Pistons news of this week, Mike. And, and this one, this one's going to affect a lot of people out there. Uh, Jaden Ivey shaved his dreads and he looks completely different now. It, he just does not even look like the same guy. It completely threw me off when I saw him throwing down a dunk uh, in that little like highlight video somebody put up uh, yesterday. Just looks like a different guy. It's it, It's shaken me a little bit. Mike, I wanted to know, do you have any NBA players who have changed their hairstyles where it shook you up? Because I can definitely think of a couple. Um, for me, when Ben Wallace got rid of the fro, that was like, I don't know, man. It, it was just the weirdest thing. In the, it, he wasn't even, he wasn't like not Ben Wallace anymore. I didn't even know. Even though he's out of the cabs and he, you know, he really went with like the cornrows. It just didn't feel like the same Ben. That one always shook me up. Um, another one that absolutely affected me when Steve Nash got rid of the frosted tips. I think that's really when the millennium, like we knew we moved from the old millennium into the new willennium, as Will Smith told us, um, that, that was, that was some wild stuff right there. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, lastly, another one I thought of Carlos Boozer, Carlos Boozer. He didn't necessarily change his hairstyle by what he took away from it. It was more what he added to it. In this case, a hearty helping of, um, I, did we ever figure out what it was? It looked like spray paint. Do you remember when Carlos Boozer, like, gave himself a hairline with, like, I, I don't even know what it was. Was it hair dye? Was it spray paint? What was it, Mike? Did we ever get, like, an actual answer on it? Do you know? We 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 didn't get an answer, but it looked like Vegemite. Or, uh, <laughs> no, like, like the stuff that collects under the fender of a car and just wiped it on his head. I don't know what that was, but he, that he is... looked like, he looked like he went like diving after fish after Katrina to like get them out. It was oil slick from BP. That's, that's what he had. He needed some Dawn dish soap. Right, right, right. Carlos Boozer is that, you know, dirty duck in the Dawn soap commercial. And, you know, he, he just needs some soap to clean whatever the hell is on his head off. In the arms of oh, the angels. <laughs> um, those are really good ones. Ben Wallace was the one that I thought of because of my Pistons Cavs, you know, super weird crossover that happened when they got him to try to salvage LeBron's first run and it failed. But um, that's a you know that's a really good that's a really good question about hairstyles. Um, huh. Do you have any any others while I quickly try to think of a hairstyle? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, how about, well, here's another one for your Cavs fandom. Kevin Love. When he was at UCLA, the dude just had a straight, he just looked like the most, like, I don't know, random white guy who plays a lot of basketball. You know what I mean? He had the shaved head. And then he came to Minnesota, and he rocked that look for a while. And then he, like, grew it out. 
and Kevin Love got like swagged up. It was wild. Like he turned from just a schlubby dude into this like really handsome, suave guy, literally just by growing out his hair and getting like a zero fade on the side. That was literally all he had to do and like lose like 10 pounds of, of baby fat. Um, that one always like throws me for a loop that that I don't know. I just think of like UCLA Kevin Love just <laughs> like I just cracked pudgy it up just boy. looking at him. Huh? Just a pudgy dough boy who got to play with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's like that's literally all it was. And then he just turned into like, I don't know, GQ Kevin Love. He was like a different guy, you know? And now he's a silver fox. Oh, he is a silver fox, dude. I Kevin Love, man. Him and Paul Wall. Did you see that video of Paul Wall today? Like I, Paul huh? I did. I saw you comment on it. Oh, that's right. I did comment. I love Paul Wall. Shout out Paul Wall. Paul Wall is like we're talking great white rappers. He has got to be on that Mount Rushmore. Like it ain't. Oh, he's like the in my in my Mount Rushmore of like white rappers. He is. I want to say like the. Is he my Abe Lincoln? Like he might be my Lincoln. I'm not even kidding. Like he's that that crucial. No, he didn't do it. He didn't. No, Abe Lincoln didn't do it for long enough. He's my Roosevelt. He's my Roosevelt. That's that's how it's gonna go. He's my Roosevelt because he's just been doing it forever. You know what I mean, man? Um, yeah, I mean, you I, can't have the consistency. Yeah, Eminem would be like my Abe Lincoln because he was the goat for a, for a few years there, and then he just fell off real quick. Um, so, you know, kind of like Abe Lincoln did. That's that's kind of how that went down. Uh, but yeah, Paul Wall. Paul oh Wall's looking all like silver foxy right now. It was crazy, dude. I saw people in the mentions of that video being like, girls being like, yo, Paul Wall's sexy. Paul Wall's hot. I never thought I would get to the day that it's basically the same thing. He kind of was like a Kevin Love type in the 90s. Paul Wall was not nice with it like that. Like he had the swag. He had the flow. I mean, don't get me wrong. Grills. Like I, some people associate grills with Nelly. I associate grills with Paul Wall. That's just the kind of guy I am. What can I say? Um, yeah, that, that threw me off. That's like a Kevin Love one where it's just like, he went from being just a, like a, just a white boy. You just think of like white boy, Paul Wall, white boy, Kevin Love to just this silver fox and it's like damn you love to see the glow up don't you yeah like kevin love doesn't even look like the typical ucla top top of the line basketball player i mean like his uncle was in the beach boys yes like people forget mike love famous like everyone hates mike love <laughs> right yes <laughs> Like famously the most despised of the Beach Boys, Mike Love, his uncle. Yeah. Uh oh, crazy. I love it. Um, how do you feel about Jaden Ivy though? Do you like the do you like the new look? I'm already missing the dreads personally. I mean, I think I'm gonna miss the dreads because that's what I've been used to. Mm. But you no, know, I, I can't knock a player for wanting to, you know, change change it up and you know, maybe feel more comfortable. I mean, I definitely can't. Definitely can't knock it, but it's going to take some time getting used to it. Um, oh, Mike! Alfred yeah. Payton! Oh, that's a that's a really good one. Alfred Payton. That's a... Oh, man. You remember when he came into the league? Do you remember when people were writing think pieces about whether Alfred Payton's hair was ruining his career? 
Uh, yes, I do recall those. And they still sound just as ridiculous now as they did then. Well, you know what? I I have a sneak peek for anybody. And we're going to wrap this up. But let me tell you, if Jaden Ivey comes out of the gate not shooting well this year, I am going to be writing five, 6,000 words on how uh, shaving his head is is what ruined him it it messed up the aerodynamics of his shot of his shooting form that's just that's just math dude everybody knows that the reduced right. weight on his math. head oh yeah it's it's messing up his launch angle 100 percent, dude um look i'm okay with it as long as he like tries to dougie like he did during that notre dame halftime show uh i love that video of of like baby jade and ivy just showing off his dance moves and it's just the same move over and over again for like three minutes He's got to do that after a dunk this year. I'm telling you. That's like an homage. That would be sick. Hey, look. if You, you will not be the only one to be writing an article about how Jaden Ivey's hair, uh, you know, has thrown his game off completely. But you will be the first one at it. But you won't be the only one at it. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. That's what we need. More think pieces. Less thinking, more think pieces. Exactly. Exactly. About <laughs> about fun stuff like that, and That's not right. like how many screen assists somebody is getting or not getting. Mike, we only got a couple more minutes on this, but I want to finish this up with like a quick question. Give me give me your two top league passes, league pass teams this year. Every year we like to come up with some league pass teams. I have a couple. I'd love to hear yours for this season. You know that is a great question. Um, I, hmm. no, Detroit is is on there as a, a fun league pass team after seeing a Sark Thompson just bully summer league guys. Um, and that's fun. And having Cade and Ivy is fun. So they're definitely up there. Um, gosh. All right. So why don't you do one and then I will do one? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw out. I'm going to throw out the Indiana Pacers and they might not even really count as league pass team because they, they might be pretty decent this year. Actually. I know they, they finished pretty low, but I think they have a chance to be good. Uh, I mean, another year, year of Tyrese Halliburton running the show. Uh, they have buddy healed Smith. Still, they have another year of development for Benedict Matherin. Uh, they, they just drafted Jarris Walker. They still have miles Turner you know, who knows, they might finally trade Miles Turner and get an interesting return for him. Uh, they just traded for Obi Toppin. They traded like nothing. I think they traded, what, a second rounder for Obi Toppin? And I think that is a fascinating combination with uh, the, the backcourt that they have, as well as a guy like Jarris Walker. I think that could be a lot of fun. You know, I, I, that is a team for me that I'm really looking at. They have like decent role players too. Like I like Andrew Nemhard. I like Aaron Neesmith. I like Daniel Tice. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about Daniel Tice anymore, but I think you threw that one out there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to take that one back, but Oh yeah. Bruce Brown. They also just signed Bruce Brown to all oh, that money. Shoot, that's right. Of course. So like for me, yeah, that's a league pass team in and of itself. That is just going to be a fascinating team to to watch, to see how good they can be. That's who I want to look at this year. That's a league pass team for me. You know, that's a, that's a great pick. And Toppin might be pretty underrated as just another super bouncy dude that's going to go up and just catch lobs from a backcourt that can definitely pass the ball really well. So I, I really like the Indiana pick. So the team that I had was probably not a team that is going to end up needing to 
be watched on League Pass because they're going to probably be on ESPN a ton. And that's the Golden State Warriors. I think adding Chris Paul is super interesting. Moving on from Jordan Poole, getting Chris Paul, you've loaded up on veterans. You've loaded up on, you know, guys who are in the absolute last uh, stretch of their career where they can win a championship. I think there's some added pressure with Chris Paul, uh, not just to win a championship while he's still, you know, able to walk, but, you know, you also now have gone all in um, on winning. Now you've cashed in Jordan Poole, not for a young player to sort of bridge to the next generation for the Warriors, but you cashed him in for, you know, an aging hall of famer that you hope can lead you to one more championship. And then, you know, CP three can call it a career. I think it's really interesting in adding a bet like that. And then added on top of that, what is the lineup? What is the starting lineup going to look like? Are you going to play uh, Steph Curry and Chris Paul in the backcourt together? Is that how it's going to be? Is he going to be a six man? And that's his role. Um, Cause you still have Andrew Wiggins. You still have Kevon Looney who, you know, prove that having a guy to just swallow up rebounds is super valuable, even if he does very little other than set screens and get boards. You know, are you going to take him out of that lineup and go with Draymond Green at the five? You know, even as he starts to age out, is not as good, you know, as he used to be offensively. A, a lot of interesting decisions um, for Steve Kerr. And, you know, Chris Paul was kind of, he kind of scoffed at the idea of coming off the bench. And I don't, I don't know who said this. I don't think it was Marcus Spears, but somebody asked about the possibility of coming off the bench. He's like, are you the coach? No, you know, he just asked the guy, are you the head coach? And it's like, oh, maybe, maybe CB3 is not so interesting coming off the bench. And, you know, the Warriors will have to try to juggle having him start. And then they're going to have Looney off the bench and Green at the five. And it'll, just, it'll be a very interesting game that they have to figure out throughout the course of the season. And, oh, and, and they're all old. So, like, injuries are going to be – some like in the back of their minds and it, the Warriors went, went all in on let's get a vet to win now. So super interesting to me uh, to see, but they probably won't be on league pass uh, too much. Cause they're probably gonna be an ESPN plenty. They're, yeah. They're in a weird place. Cause like you said, all their star players are old, but all the backups are super young. Like they need a lot from Kaminga. They need stuff from Moda's, Modi Moody, Moses Moody. <laughs> they need you know I mean? Charles Barkley. I know, right? Oh, that's Kendrick <laughs> Perkins. Okay, right. Don't, watch yourself. Um, you know they they need stuff. I, Brandon podcast like that's Aaron's boy. Um, he might have to play like a significant role on this team if Chris Paul can't go all that much. Like, where's their backups in terms of point guards? Like Corey Joseph right. is getting that kind of run. Seriously? So they're in a weird place where they have like, they have a bunch of dudes who are in their like, well, you know, between their going into their 10th and like 19th season. And then they have a bunch of dudes also who are rookies and, or going into like second, third season. They're in a weird place, man. This could be a total disaster. I, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble this year. This is a team that like, I think, I, so too. I think things could go really, really wrong for them. I don't know, man, with Draymond and, like, I mean, how much is, like, Dario Saric going to play for this team? Like, they, really, like, how much is Dario Saric going to get play for this team? Because he might have to if Kaminga's not up to the task. Gary Payton, the second, like, they have role players, but these are guys who were 
dudes who stepped in off the end of the bench. They're kind of missing those proven bench guys. Uh, yeah, they're going to be an interesting team for sure, Mike. I, I kind of like that. That's that's an interesting pick, but I think it fits for sure. Um, yeah, you have anything else you want to hit on for this week, Mike? I, I'm kind of tapped out. You know, I, I want to say one more league pass team, um, and that's the Orlando Magic. Ooh. For a similar reason for the Indiana Pacers. Um they are another very interesting team with Franz Wagner and Bancaro and guards who are, you know, hopefully healthy and ready to contribute. You know, the Cole Anthony's, the Jalen Suggs's of the world. And Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz, absolutely. What a great story that he is, you know, coming oh, back from ACLs. And they got and Gary Harris Philadelphia. back too. Right. And they got Gary Harris back. You know, they're a they're they're a very interesting team again super young um i mean van carroll won you know he, he, i mean he was an offensive stalwart for them at, a, at at such a young age being a rookie and you know to kind of go back and think about how it was jabari smith the whole way with the number one overall pick and then in the 11th hour it, it turned into paolo and how great of a decision that was not that jabari smith is a bust or anything but Paolo Bancaro was was fantastic last year and you know to you know to see this team grow up you know they played a lot better last year than I think people expected them to and they still weathered injuries and whatnot um they are a team that you know might be approaching the oh this team's kind of annoying um they might make the play in type of deal like you don't want to play them not just in February when they're fighting for uh, you know to win a win a crappy game on a cold Tuesday night, like now, like they might be a much more annoying um, than we think another year of Wendell Carter jr. Who played pretty well, but you know, all of the wings, all of the guards, it's an interesting team that has an, you know, a, a good mix. I think they do need a veteran guard. Like Fred Van Vliet going there would have really put them in a spot where I'm like, Oh shoot. They, they are going to be, you know, like knocking on the door of, like the eight seed or the seven seed with a veteran guard to kind of keep everything going. But he ended up going to Houston, which is fine, but you know, it puts them in an interesting position as a super young team. That's just kind of flying by the seat of their pants. It feels a little bit like the Charlotte Hornets when they were in the play in two years ago, oh, um, interesting. And, you know, and, and got smoked. You know, a young team that's like, what, what the hell are we doing here? I guess, I guess we'll just play basketball and they might be in that position that Charlotte was in. I think they're a little bit better equipped to deal with that, but um, yeah, the Magic were fun to watch last year. I think they're going to be more fun to watch this year as everybody you know, kind of grows up, and I definitely think they're going to be one of those teams you'll have to watch on League Pass because they're not going to be getting more than one or two ESPN games, I would imagine. No, probably not. I, you know, I think that's interesting. Uh, to me, I actually more see them as being in a situation like Cleveland was a couple of years ago, um, where they are, I think, going to outperform expectations. They're going to be tough to play, but the and they're probably, I think, they have a good shot at making at least the play in and giving somebody a little bit of trouble and then probably flaming out. But what I see them as doing is like this is the season where they kind of grow up a little bit, show that they have the ability to compete. Um, and then probably this offseason, you take a look at the roster and you start consolidating much in the same way 
that Cleveland did when they made that move for Donovan Mitchell. So I, I see them as kind of being in that sort of situation uh, where they have a very good roster, uh, a lot of talent. They're just very young and they almost have too many guys on the team right now that need a little bit of playing time. Can't forget, you know, they brought in Jet Howard and Anthony Black as rookies as well. And those are two players that you kind of have to assume are going to get some playing time. Um, and they're both guards. So with an already crowded backcourt, it does definitely feel like this is the year where they kind of just have to figure out what they have and then consolidate around what they agree is the core of their roster moving forward. Uh, anything else you want to hit on this week, Mike? Um, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm good. And we're in the absolute worst part of the NBA off season. And now it's like, like multiplied by 50 because we're waiting on Dame and James Harden. What, what, and... what are you talking about? We had some really big breaking news about Jaden Ivey's hair this, this week. That's, I... that's, that's very true. That, that yeah. does come first. Absolutely. Um, but it feels like we're waiting for the floodgates to open because there are some other free agents available that are, that could help a team. But I think they're sort of waiting for Dame's trade. And then like Kelly Oubre will probably just go to Miami on a veteran minimum contract and try to, you know, get a championship once, once Dame is traded there. I think we're just waiting for the floodgates to sort of open up. And one last small thing on uh, a league pass team you know, everyone's going to poo-poo the Portland Trailblazers for giving up Dame for inevitably much less than what he's worth, um, even though his contract is still pretty ridiculous. And and he's 33. Right, right. And and it's like, maybe it's not going to be so lopsided. A, a guy that, you know, is a little bit on the other side, undersized side. It, it, it wouldn't be like super weird if he just tailed off a bit and his contract was super terrible. But, you know, the Portland Trailblazers are another team Super athletic. I mean, whatever they get for Dame will probably not be worth watching. They're not going to get Tyler Harrow. They don't want Tyler Harrow. But Shaden Sharp, Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons is still. I mean, that's that's a team that's that's a team that might you know mess you up on a January game in like a Sunday afternoon um, because that's super athletic, um, super offensive, heavy type of guys that. You know, they might just come in and you get stomped in the head and you're like, what just happened? Because Scoot Henderson is going to be good. Simons can already shoot shoot you out of a game or into a game. And Shane Sharp is like super athletic. Um, so they'll be fun. I mean, they're definitely league pass territory. When they lose Dame, they're going to go to the doldrums of the NBA. Um, media barrel, the very bottom. But, you know, that's a sneaky, athletic, fun team that, could be fun. I mean, they're still going to have Jeremy Grant as well, but so could, could be an interesting February ish team that, you know, you just turn on, on a kind of a dreary night and think, Oh wow. Scoot Henderson is literally flying out of the arena. Oh, and he just threw an alley-oop to Shaden Sharp. Who's also flying out of the arena. Could, could be fun. For sure. And, and you think teams like Houston as well, Utah, I mean, there's, this should be a really fun NBA season, Mike. I'm really looking forward to it. That is going to do it for us on this week of the Palace of Pistons podcast. I want to thank my co-host, Mike Angelano, as always. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, man. It's It, it really is. It's always a great it's time. It's like a total role reversal. What is happening? I know. I, I Whatever, <laughs> man. 
I, you know what? I wanted to switch things up. How you like that? Hey, now, go for it. I like it. I'm like, what do I do with my hands? Look I don't, at me. I, I don't know what to do. Mike, listen to me. I'm the host now. I knew uh, you were going to do that. <laughs> of course. I am I nothing. I am nothing if not a shameless hack and never forget that. Uh, Mike, <laughs> thank you so much as always. I also want to show out a big shout out to our sponsors, Bet Online. Thank you so much. Please check out our content on palaceofpistons.com. And thank you to the fine folks at the Believe Podcast Network as well. I'm Jasper Apollonia for my co-host, Mike Angulano. This is the Palace of Pistons podcast presented by Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.